Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. West Side's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy, and thanks for tuning in. Go, greetings, everybody. Uh, I bring you greetings from Theophilus Church in Portland. I bring you greetings from Eugene Faith Center. I bring you greetings from Billings, Montana. I bring you um, greetings from Sweden. I went there this summer. And I bring you greetings from the small group that meets in my home with people who are part of the family of God and at Joy Church and at Ecclesia and at Bushnell. And, and you, are, you are remembered. There's, you are remembered and loved and cared for. And um, brothers and sisters, good to see you. I bring you greetings from people who love you and care about you too. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. I get to come and continue the, the stuff on James, and it has been an honor that I got to because I've been avoiding James <laughs> successfully for a long time. It's pretty incredible. I remember the first time I, I um, one of the first times I spoke at um, my old tiny little college group, and um, I, had to, I had to speak on James 3, and I was really mad about it because I'm just a talker. I can't tame this tongue. It's really tough. <laughs> and then since then, I've avoided James kind of at all costs. But so I had to, I had to deal with it. And, um, and I am like way into James now. Thank you, everybody. I, uh, <laughs> I've been chewing on it since, um, yeah, for like a month. But, right, so, and as we, maybe you guys have already been talking about it, but it's, it seems like James is kind of the wisdom book of the New Testament. Have you kind of figured that out? It's sort of, there's so many proverbial sayings. There's these things that we all, actually, you know when you read part of a scripture and you're like, oh, I've said that, but I didn't know where it came from exactly. It's just something we say. James is filled with those pithy little things that we, that, that we say, those succinct little um, those little statements about God, those wisdoms. And uh, so it really should read like the Proverbs. I wish that it was written in prose where you have it like the line and then you have like space, space, space to breathe. Okay, now let's go into the next one. And then here's, ooh, that's, that's a good one. And then another space to breathe. And then you read it again because it is like anyone else feeling like kind of beat up by James, like, like, this one and that and then the, oh, and the uppercut and um and then at the end of this chapter it's a, it's like one of those that just down for the count and I'm on the floor um James is like he is pulling no punches he is he thinks we can handle this everybody yeah He's, uh, he's kind of like the, the pastor, I don't know, sort of some, some somebody who's going to tell you, I don't know, whatever, whatever the thing is, and I was yelling at you, but he was, but it's, it's like those guys yelling, like, change your lives, everybody, it's pretty important, that's, that's, it feels like he's doing that to me, and I've avoided him um, intentionally until now, but you know what, um, just like the Proverbs tell us, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. <sighs> James 
um, loves us. He's our friend. Let's get to know him. So we can trust that the things that he has to say to us are important and valid and need to be said. I've been thinking about James a lot and, um, and the origin story. You know when you get, um, when you're born, it's, it's kind of like your parents have been living a movie, right? And then you are born and then it's like you're starting to watch a movie in the middle of the movie. Have you ever done this? Now we can just rewind it or something with our devices. But there was a time when you had to go through, if you missed it on cable like or Turner Classic Movies, if you were in the middle of it, that was it. You had to start there. If you wanted to watch the movie, you, ha- you couldn't go back. So, um, so you're trying to figure out what's, what happened in the whole first half of the movie by what's going on in the second half of the movie because you, didn't get, you had to start in the middle. And that's what it's like to be born. Because there's been stuff happening, and you all of a sudden are coming, you're, you're a toddler and looking around and realizing that there's been stuff happening before you. What a strange thing. Let's think about James. Holy cannoli. So, James is born into the holy family. He has the stories of like, oh, the angel Gabriel made mom pregnant with Jesus. It's fine. That is just part of his, the family lore. Like that's like a bedtime story for him that his mom just talks about. Or the, you know, the wise men coming. That's just something that she just, you know, that's just part of it. And then, oh, them running off to Egypt and escaping from King Herod, who was, yikes, that's just part of it. That's just part of what they, that's his, that's the life that he was born into. What a strange thing for this guy. That's a lot of background to have to kind of process <laughs> about what's going on. Whew. And Jesus is his big brother. Man, and I don't know if, I mean, how many, well, there's going to be a lot of, this is going to, if this doesn't bring up some family relationship issues in your mind while we're talking, I don't think you're listening. <laughs> but <laughs> you know when you see a little pair of brothers and the oldest one, I mean, is being followed around by the younger one. No, literally, like, that oldest one could be doing not that cool of, nothing very cool, but that little one wants to be like that, the older brother. Like, no matter what. They want to do what the older brother gets to do. I feel like James would have been Jesus's shadow, you know, wanting to do what Jesus was doing. And if you had Jesus as your older brother, you would have a great time. It would be so nice, and he would be like playing with you, and not, and not, he wouldn't feel like he was too cool to play with you. He would play with you. And so James must have just had a fabulous time growing up with Jesus until, and I remember this happening to me. I have an older brother, and he was, uh, he was an awesome guy. He was super fun to be with, and you wanted to be around him. But there was this day that we went to his soccer game, and I realized, and I remember putting my hand into one, like the wettest plastic bag full of orange slices. You know that? And I'm pulling, I, I, I grab my orange slice, and my whole arm is dripping wet. And it was a very visceral rem- remembrance. I remember looking at my brother playing soccer and realizing that there were much better players than him. <laughs> 
<laughs> but he was my big brother. He was my superhero. Like, that was a big adjustment. Oh, how do I deal with this? Because I thought he was good at everything. It was, it was hard. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I wonder what James had. This is my conjecture time, but, but James must have had something like this happen with him. He must have had a moment maybe where Jesus is hanging out with the other, you know, Jewish boys and they're playing dreidel. I don't know what they're doing. But there's going to be a moment when James sees Jesus like the other people see Jesus and they maybe don't think of him as cool or powerful or um, strong maybe or, I don't know, athletic. I don't know. Whatever it is, there's going to be a moment when James sizes up Jesus like the rest of the world sizes up Jesus and it won't be within the rubric of like kindness and love. It'll just be like, oh, he's not as tall as those other boys or he's not as handsome as those other guys or the girls don't like him as much or something. And, that, and James is going to have to deal with that. I think that's just really, that's going to be interesting. He's also maybe going to have to deal with, again, conjecture, his parents saying, I don't know if they ever did this, who knows? But could you imagine Mary saying, like, why can't you be like your older brother? That would be really hard. <laughs> and I think James could be jealous for a little bit, but then once he actually sees the object of his jealousy come to him and comfort him and talk to him and love him, that's going to go away, right? But they're also going to have this other thing in the shadow of all, of the, all the things that they do as a family, it's that maybe other people in the town don't really believe Mary that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit <laughs> and that Jesus is going to be the Messiah. Maybe they don't really, they, maybe they think she's lying or crazy or something. We don't really get to totally know what the general stories were, but I can guarantee you there was talk, there was gossip, there were ideas and judgments and slander. I'm betting there was. And I think there was, and I think I'm going to prove it later to you guys when we get into this. Um, there are, those were my just little fun little wonderings, but there's two biblical stories about James that were really embarrassing. One of them was when Jesus goes to the synagogue um, and, and preaches, and the, the, um, and the people say, who is this guy? Isn't he just James's brother? And Mary's, so, so that's an embarrassing moment. Publicly, Jesus kind of embarrasses himself in the synagogue. And James ugh, would have felt that. It would have been crushing. Awkward. How is he supposed to be the Messiah? What's going on? And then another time, they really, the family gets pretty mad at something Jesus is doing. And I think it's because, well, they hear about him casting out demons and doing all these healings, but they also hear that he is going to the homes of sinners and eating with them. And I think that that's the clincher for the, for the family. I think, I don't know, but they don't actually, when they go to him, they go to the house and they don't go in. So something's up with that. They don't want to enter that house. They want to send in a messenger that says, your family's outside Jesus, you better go out and talk to them. And they say, he is out of his mind. I betcha that the family had some ideas about what it would look like for Jesus to be the Messiah, and Jesus probably wasn't living up to them. 
Namely, you don't go hang out with people who are total sinners. You don't go into their home. You don't get that, that dirt on you. That's not how you're going to be the Messiah. They had their own ideas, just like the disciples had their ideas too. A lot of people had ideas for Jesus about how he should go about what he was going to do. And I think um, they just, I think that was really hard for them. But those are embarrassing stories that are in the Bible <laughs> for all time. <laughs> and I love a good embarrassing story because that means it's real. Um, it, cost, it cost James to have those stories told. It cost his respectability. I don't know. It cost him something. Let's get into James 4. Oh, would you put up that cute little picture of the brothers real quick? Thanks, Nathan. See, oh, they weren't wearing um, cargo pants and polos, but just, just can you imagine being Jesus' little brother? That just is, that kind of looks like Nazareth, right? I don't know. All right, let's read James 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, ouch, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? Hmm. But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this place or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Whew. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the, de the desires that battle within you? Here, here we have James just saying straight up, guess what? The things that you're arguing about and like you're wondering why somebody could think that they're right and you know that you're right, how could you possibly both be right? You're not really talking about the truth. You're talking about, you're, you're, you're advocating for your own desires. 
sometimes we, like with children, I can really see that very clearly, right? You know, they can, they can have their statement about like why they're right. Like, oh, it's pretty good. However, and then I can clearly judge and I can clearly say like, okay, well, ultimately we'll be taking turns. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's kind of how it'll be. But sometimes it's hard to see that in my own self, right? Um, I have like this, there's this tree-related fence line issue and um, with, with my neighbor and I, you know, I want to be, a, I am a dang it a good neighbor. I feel like I brought this up last time. It's still eating at me, obviously. Um, but I could tell you guys all the reasons I'm right about it. I certainly could. And I could even maybe give the law, I could use the law to kind of make it about how I'm right. Yeah. Or instead of that, I could recognize my evil desires. <laughs> and in a little bit, we'll talk about keeping the law and not sitting in judgment on it. Anyone noticing? There's a couple of things. There's these key words. Shout it out when, you, when it starts ringing a bell. Kill. Covet. Adultery. What? Ten Commandments. Good job. Yeah, nailed it. Way to have written the law on your hearts and minds. Wait, hearts and minds. <laughs> the, the people that James is talking to, they're Messianic Jews. They have grown up breathing, you know, breathing and living the law, the Torah. The Ten Commandments are written on the doorposts of their house and on little sleeves and they wear, you know, Pharisees would have worn them on their heads. It's a big deal. And he's speaking this way and they would have not had to struggle to remember that it was the Ten Commandments that, that he is taking and then helping us see more. It's not just, it's going from these kinds of rules, these laws, these something with maybe a loophole, is there a loophole that I can jump through? To don't you see how if we all followed these that we would be, oh man, we would be in God's will, not just following God, the law, but in, in, in his love, in his, in his Torah of freedom, as Tim Mackey says it in the Bible Project video, which I would recommend. Um, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Oosh, ouch. Adulterous people, yep. And I love, too, of course, um, that, that he says that he, he talks about coveting and how that's not good, but that God jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. But he gives us more grace, and that is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Really, I could just read this about five times, and we'd all need, that would probably be a good thing for us to do. And there's no way I can possibly parse through all of these amazing little Sayings. Anyone else quote, ever quoted without knowing where it was from, resist the devil and he will flee from you? Yeah? Anyone else say, come near to God and he will come near to you? That's where it's from. <laughs> and he goes on and says, grieve, mourn, and wail. Oh, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. 
Of course, he's not saying like you can't be happy, right? But I, Dan kind of hit on it actually. Um, if we if we aren't able to grieve and mourn together and wail over what is bad and sad in our lives, we won't be able to truly rejoice either about all of the all of the lovely things. So. It does not benefit us to just put on a smile on our faces and we're at church. It doesn't. You guys know that. You're wise. You're smart. You're not letting that get by you. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's the kind of lifting up we want. We want to be elevated by God lifting us up, not stuff that I come up with to make myself elevated as I stand on this stage. Was anyone else convicted by the today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that and spend a year there and we'll get her on business and make money? Yeah, that's kind of, that was sort of a, I feel like most everyone, maybe, even if they weren't, um, maybe even if they don't you know, know about the Bible or anything, um, pandemic-wise, that was kind of put to, put to death, right? That one, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those ideas that we were going to make money and know what, what was going to happen and control our lives. Well, maybe not. Not so much. What is your life? You are a mist. And this is where he gets not just proverbial, not just from Proverbs, but very, um, very much from Ecclesiastes, where you know, um, you're, it's all a chasing after the wind. Um, the word mist is, um, is havel, which is like Abel, you know, Cain and Abel. He's just a mist. He, he was there for a moment, had no, no descendants. He was gone. Havel, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Can we pray? I was supposed to pray earlier, but then I forgot. Oh, Lord, um, we thank you for James and for this witness. And um, would the things that he has said to us, would you, um, would you speak to us? And would we be um, strong enough to hear it and humble enough to, um, to submit ourselves to you, God? You think we can do it. And we want to live that way. Um, so, I love that final, the, the 17. If anyone then knows the will, the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Um, one of the greatest witnesses, I think, of, of this book for us is that James, so you know how a lot of the apostles, they would have had to see the miracles happen, they would have been there with Jesus, they would have seen him uh, die on the cross, or they would have known that he had died and then saw, saw him resurrect. Um, it doesn't even really say if James like got to see any of that, does it? Like We don't actually know when he sort of converted or if he always was converted. We don't know if after that... Um, we just don't know what happened to him and how it happened. We do know that 
At one point, Peter would um, give the responsibility of taking over the Jerusalem church to James. And James would pastor it for 20 years. And they would be, um, they would be a despised like Jewish sect in the Jewish city, right? Um, they would have been maybe just protected from you know, total persecution by just maybe the Romans wanting you know, peace and, and people to not you know, be too um, aggressive towards each other, pretty much that. Um, but he would end up being martyred after 20 years by, by a new Roman ruler who would want to come in and kind of flex a little bit, you know, and say, oh, he's, a, he's, you know, he's against our government, so let's go ahead and, and uh, let's murder James. Let's kill, let's kill James. Execute him. That's James. That's our, that's the Lord's brother. And I imagine, you know, getting this letter Let's say we're an early church, we're out in the synagogues, we, we, used, we, we are Jewish, and now, you know, when we believe that Jesus is the Messiah and it fulfills all that Old Testament stuff for us, all that stuff just easily is congruent and it, and it makes sense for us. And we know that, G, that James was Jesus's brother and we are so excited to read this letter and we just read it. We just, we hear about it. We hear that it's here and we all rush to the synagogue and we all want to hear it and we all want to read it and we all want to relish it. And we're excited to know because we do know that James is Jesus's brother, even though he doesn't say it in the letter at all. But we know, we know that he knew. James gets his authority as an apostle in a different way, I really feel like. And I don't know. Um, I'll just propose these kinds of things. But for James, he doesn't even mention the resurrection or the crucifixion in this, in this, pass, in this, in this whole letter. He's not really interested in that. He wants us to live rightly. He doesn't develop that theology at all. Paul does that all the time. But he doesn't do that. For him, it's so obvious who Jesus is that he doesn't really need to, I think. And also, his authority comes from the fact that he saw Jesus not doing those other amazing things, maybe, but more from the fact that he saw Jesus being just a human boy who every day did not sin, but instead lived the law and lived in love. I have a brother, a different brother, with, um, he has some, a lot of mental challenges, lots. And um, one of the ways that you can get around anyone calling you out on your bad behavior is if you tell them, well, you might think that but that's because you're too stupid and I have a deeper knowledge of all these secret things. And you, you have to obey those ways, but I, I am called and I have a higher purpose. And if you knew what I know, your brain would explode. In fact, in fact, you're so ignorant that you just, you don't even want to know because then all the ways that you live your life will just be ruined. But I know, oh, well then tell me more. I want to know these secret ways. No, no, I wouldn't do that to you. Mine is a higher calling. So I get to 
treat everybody how I want to treat them because I'm special. That is called a messiah complex. <laughs> so I have a brother who has a lot of mental stuff, schizotypal things, and he, that's how, that's how it is to talk to him. He's on, a, he's on another level, everyone. Over and above us, we are not smart enough to understand all the things that he knows. Therefore, he gets to do what he wants to do, right? And I think about this juxtaposition of, because I would never follow my brother, even like to a second location, honestly. I just, <laughs> I don't feel safe around him. I don't, I don't feel respected by him. Certainly I'm not. He doesn't respect me or love me, you know? Um, and I, so I would never follow him. <laughs> And, and I think about James, and here he is. Um, he's even been, and I, I love, it, it's such a tr crazy thing that he doesn't name himself as Jesus' brother, because he could, right? And that would be more, that would feel like it would bring a lot of clout, and he could really use that, like, really well. But Jesus, and Jesus begins it at that, at that embarrassing story about James earlier, when Jesus is in the house with the sinners, talking to them, and the, and the family comes in and says, he's out of his mind, go get him, bring him out here, we wouldn't want to go into that house. And he says, this, is, this could be kind of hurtful. And I don't think he didn't come out afterwards, I think he probably did come out and talk to them. But he says, who are my brothers and my sisters and my mother? They, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Oh, and that changed everything for, I mean, I, I think it changed stuff for James. He really had to recalibrate. So he didn't use Jesus. He didn't say, I'm Jesus's brother. It changed the church. It actually changed it from being a place where it was about like, like who your father was or whatever. It, it's not about that anymore. It's like we are our brothers and sisters because God is our father. He is the one. If we do his will, we are, we are brothers and sisters with Jesus. Um, I want to go back to, because there's these two lines that I want to connect for us. There's um, two, 417, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I mean, wow, doesn't that make our life with God personal? Doesn't it? That it really does. A, a responsibility on, our, on ourselves to know that there's a good I could do, and if I don't do it, it is a sin for me. Oh, that's the one that's the knockout punch, and I'm whirling, and I'm on the ground. I don't really know boxing that much, but, you know, I played it on, like, Nintendo. So, K-O, T-K-O, total knockout. But, um, James consistently doesn't use his um, connection to, to Jesus. He just describes, back up in, and actually in chapter three, he describes the wisdom that comes from heaven. And I really think he's describing his brother. First of all, it is pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Wisdom is submissive. Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. God, that's so great. That's my brother. Can we read that again? Or is it up there? 
could put it up. Let's read it together, everybody. This is our, this is our big brother. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Let's go ahead. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. a whole different paradigm for for living, you know, than we ever revered normally in regular life. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for having a brother that you loved. I'm really, really touched by that. I want you to be my big brother, and I want to do the will of my Father in heaven. Lord, would you comfort us like a big brother? Would you show us what true wisdom is with peace, with submission, with full of mercy? Thank you that that all of these one-two punches that we're getting are because you are that way. You are that way for us, and you show us the way to live. In Jesus' name, amen.